our young man over here realized, but he was speaking prophetically. That was the Holy Spirit in you. And when God does that, that is releasing what's on his heart. And what I heard the Lord say, he says, start praying because it's harvest time that I will give you the grace and enlarge your capacity to receive and gather the harvest. Because it's going to be bigger than we imagined. And pray that God will raise up labors. I know pastor desires that so strongly. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> I was, I was, pastor asked me to do this, so I said, God, what do you want me to say? And he took me to Malachi, and I want to read just a couple things out of this. You know, this is the uh, tithe, about tithing. And a lot of people say, well, tithing's Old Testament. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, New Testament faith. How many know that Abraham was the father of faith? How many know Abraham lived before the law? How many know Abraham gave tithe? <laughs> I'm of the faith of Abraham. And giving tithe is one thing that God promised. to. He said, prove me. Try me. See if I won't open. And I'm reading out of, uh, actually I'm quoting it. <laughs> Out of the book of Malachi, beginning in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me or prove me. In this, says the Lord. You ever had somebody say, I dare you? And you know, as kids, I double dare you? Triple dare you? You know what God is doing? He's saying, I dare you to prove me in this. Woo. How many want to prove God? I do. He's anxious to prove to you what he can do. If I will not, and he says, Lord of hosts, that means the hosts of heaven, the angels. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, in other words, that means they're blocked until they're opened. And pour out for you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have not got to that place where I don't have enough room yet. How about you? So that means we're all living in a growth of learning how to give a way that God can pour out a blessing that you won't have enough room for. Now, I was in a church in uh, Chauvin <laughs> several years ago. I go there every year. But I, uh, that Sunday morning, I, I saw this abundance coming in, and they didn't know what to do with all of it. So I prophesied it. And little did I know while I was prophesying that somebody was dropping off. They had had this big banquet and they had gumbo. Shrimp gumbo. <laughs> and chicken gumbo. Because I know my wife ate some. Anyway. And they brought big containers of it so much. They said, everybody stay after church. We're going to eat this. And they were giving it away. They didn't know what to do with it. Isn't that neat? God can give you a blessing that you don't know what to do with. Well, he wants you to give it away. Amen. Now, he goes on and he says, I will rebuke the devourer. God will rebuke Satan for you. And he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Let me tell you something. I, there are years that uh, in ministry for me, and, and my daughter can tell you this is true. And, and they, they didn't know we was we were poor if, if the world 
by the world's standards, but not in God's eyes. Because we always had our needs met. I never had a bill I couldn't pay. Ever. Ever. Always had the money for my bills. And always had money for food. Always had money for clothes. It was like God blessed what I had. I didn't have pockets with holes in it. I've watched people where it don't matter how much God bless them, blesses them with finances. They can't hold on. It just gets away from them. And I remember as a pastor, there were people in my church that made four times what I did. And I had more than they did. Explain that. It's right here. God rebuked the devourer for my sake. And little is much in God's eyes. I mean, remember the loaves and fishes. Come on, amen. And my kids called me the loaves and fishes man. <laughs> they did. Now, I want to get to something here. I won't take too long because I know pastors got a word from the Lord. He says, all nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful some land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, <clears throat> the next, it's almost like he changes the subject, but he doesn't. He's going to focus. Now, let me tell you, I've, I've given tithes since I was a little kid. I'd cut grass and get 50 cents. Weed somebody's yard and get, you know, around the flower bed, get 50 cents. And I would put a nickel in the offering, write my name on it. I was Billy back then. Billy Ford. <laughs> I wasn't redheaded, though. <laughs> and I wasn't a stepchild. <laughs> anyway, but I've learned to tithe. My grandfather taught me that. He was a godly man. And you know, almost every one of his grandkids went ministry. That's right, because he was such a man of God. And I learned to tithe, and I've been a tither all my life. And I'm not just a tither. I give way above that. I give probably more than twice that. Oh, yeah, because I've learned that giving is a seed that I'm sowing and I'm expecting a harvest. You've got to, listen, if you're a farmer and you sow seed, you better expect a harvest. You're not going to farm long. Come on, amen. And as a believer, you need to realize God is challenging us to give because he wants to bless us. And you've got to have that attitude that God is good and he wants to bless you in all that you put your hand to. Amen. Now, the next verse, he's going to tell us why their blessings have been stalled. They've been tithing. They're wondering, well, how come we're not getting the blessing? Look what he tells them. He said, your words have been stout against me, harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud blessed, and those who do wickedness are raised up, even tempt God and go free. He's saying, you've got to listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Hmm? Where's your faith? Giving has to be mixed with faith. Everything's got to be mixed with faith. I give. You know, what kind of giver does God like? Oh, what kind? Well, what is, 
some people give their tithe like they're paying bills. Well, I better write my tithe out like it's a bill. I, oh, come on. We've all been guilty of that. I have. And the Lord got on to He said, Son, how do you expect me to bless you with that attitude? He said, I want you to realize that I, you are challenging me and I want to bless you back. He said, so prove me. He said, give knowing I'm a good God. Hello. And that I'm going to bless you back. Hallelujah. Now, one more thing. Look at Ephesians 4. Look at verse 18, or no, excuse me, 29. I'm sorry, back up to 27. We'll get it right here in a minute. Would you believe 25? <laughs> Who'll make it 24? No, I'm just... <laughs> what I did was I, I got to this verse, and I didn't did back up far enough and write that verse down. That's, so I'm backing up now. Is that okay? Verse 25, therefore putting away lying. Somebody say, let's quit lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your head. In other words, don't go to bed and be angry. Nor give place to the devil. Don't give him any access to what you have. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may give something or have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, this is what the Lord said to my heart. He said, son, he says, when you give, speak my word over that gift. Give cheerfully. Give joyfully. Every month, we write checks to support eight ministries. Every month. And you know what I do when I get the checks wrote? I hold them in my hand. Now, some people don't write checks anymore, but I'm still old-fashioned. That's the only, you know, the only checks I pretty much write are for my giving. Everything else I pay online. I take those checks in my hand and I just dance and say, Lord, I'm just so grateful I have this to give. And I'm sowing it as a seed into your kingdom. I give cheerfully. Ooh, glory to God. Last December, the Lord spoke to me so clear I was... I remember where I was. You know, it's amazing when God will speak to you like this. You remember usually right where you were and what he said. I was in my living room uh, dancing and praising the Lord, just worshiping him. And the Lord spoke to me so clear. He said, son, I am going to bless abundantly my people financially. And I said, Lord, that is wonderful. And I, and I, at first, I didn't hear him say, my people. He said, I'm going to bless you. And then I asked him, I said, well, is that just for me or is that for other people? He said, no. He said, it's for everybody that will 
Come with me to be a part of the harvest in this last day because it's going to take finances. And when you partner with the Lord for this harvest, and so we got to realize this is a prophetic word from God that this is harvest time, amen? And when you covenant with God to be a partner, God is going to see to it that the finances needed for what he wants to do will be ready and available. Can you say amen? God has been sending uh, extra finances into uh, Good News Ministries. That's the name of our ministry. And I said, Lord, what do I do? I didn't know what to do with it. You say, you didn't? No, it was just extra money started coming in after he told me that. I mean, it just started coming in and coming in. And I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, son, this is for the harvest. Put it in a storehouse until I tell you what to do with it. Can you say amen? Praise God. Pastor. You know, in our fellowship, in our circle, we say a lot, y'all just don't want to come when I want y'all to come. Y'all just going <laughs> to. It's always best to just listening, listen to what the, usually here we'll preach a message and then people by the Holy Spirit conviction or leadings or promptings will then make a decision on what to do, what was spoken. And so you need to do the same thing with your finances. We got tithing down. I mean, that's, come on. But when the giving teaching comes, the Lord wants to help us. You know, we're not using the word of God to pry something out of your pockets. That, it doesn't work. What the Lord wants to do, he wants, us to, he wants to teach us something so he can help us in an area so that's why it's always good to open up your ears before you open up your wallet. I thought that was good. <laughs> because you want to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so he could tell you to put two more zeros. And to God, zeros don't count nothing for nothing. What's two zeros plus two more zeros? Four zeros. So what is four zeros? The same thing as one zero. And so, <laughs> I don't know why we're even talking about this, but be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I'm killing time right now so I can figure out what am I going to do. <laughs> I feel like I owe it to you. To just go with the Holy Spirit. I just really feel like I owe it to you and us uh, to go with the Holy Spirit. I, I did see as we started the service, if I, I did see, I saw Brother Pastor Clayton right here. I saw me right here. I saw Brother Bill and I saw Kevin. Mickey, I'm not leaving you out, Pastor Mickey, but something's fixing to go down, so we need some crowd control <laughs> we need some monitoring going on because when the flesh flies
Y'all ever smell burning flesh? Y'all know the smell? I'm about to burn some flesh in here. <laughs> what y'all hiding? I'm really having a lot of fun this morning. And so that I don't get in trouble and revert back to what I wanted to do in my message, I'm going to just read something at the end. So if I do the end first, that means I'm finished and the Lord has plenty of time. And I heard Abraham mention he was he's the father of the faithful and also a friend of God. My, wow, to be known as a friend of God. So anyway, I'm in my office, got my, I just went through Abraham's life. I've, I've been working on this. And uh, I found, you know, anytime you have an encounter with God, there's going to be some speech in there. God's going to be conveying or transmitting something that he wants to, to do for you or in you or through you. And so when I started reading about Abraham, I found seven encounters that he had. And in each encounter, God specifically told him to do something so he could fulfill his destiny. So each encounter was a step that Abraham took to reach his destiny or his, you know, fulfilling uh, his life requirement, his purpose, that his life would mean something. And so... The, the, the culmination of his life, and I believe his purpose, was when the Lord wanted him to offer up his own son. But there, he did a lot of things to get there. He had a lot of meetings with God for this great sacrifice and this obedience and this walk and this faith that he had to have in the culmination of his walk with God. And so he had to get in the journey or he wouldn't have finished his course right. Are y'all here? And so when he told his servants, he, he had his donkeys ready, he had two young men with him. He had his son, he had the fire in his hand. How many of y'all know you got to have some fire in your hand? Also, his son was packing the wood. And basically, he was going over yonder. He, he, you know, he was going to this mountain range called Mount Moriah. And to be called to a mountain range, who knows where the specific place is. It's just like over yonder. We, we used to use that, I think, when we were little. We don't use that much anymore. Where are you going? Over yonder. Well, it means distant place beyond where you are now, a remote place. 
And so that's what he did. He just headed out over yonder. And we know in Hebrews, the Bible talks about that Abraham was obedient. He was called, so he left not knowing where he was going. And uh, that's somewhat frightening, but that is the walk of faith. So he headed out on that journey. And uh, just to talk up, this was the seventh encounter. And so this was it. The Lord is asking him to sacrifice his son. And this may sound a little... far-fetched, or either somewhat gruesome, but he was to slay his son. And the way they would slay animals, they just cut their throat, bleed their blood. And then he was to dismember his son, pile up the body parts on the wood, and burn it. We're not called to hard things. I'm telling you. <laughs> that that does sound way out there. And and believe me, the Lord's not going to have you sacrifice your son like that or your daughter like that. Not, now, if, they, if you hang around here and your children hang around here, you may have to sacrifice them and let them go to the mission field or be in ministry. I'm sorry. I'll mess you up and your family. We'll get you in the purposes of God, and it will not be easy when you got to let those little children go. But he will never call us to do that. Y'all understand that. But when, when I always tell that story, it's like God wanted to know if a man would do what he was planning on doing. Is there a man like me? It will, would somebody go? as far as I want to go. Now, this whole story is type and shadow and concealment of something that's going to be revealed, something that God is trying to teach us that's only a part of the reality to come. Y'all with me? And so anytime I read an Old Testament Anytime I read Old Testament history, be careful how we say story, especially around kids, because it can become a fable. It could be, become something that's not really true. The Old Testament is the word of God. And so in the Old Testament, we're just being shown something, but we don't know fully what it means. And at that time, whether it was Abraham, Moses, Samson, Noah, Jonah, they were all types and shadow of the reality to come. But you know what? While Moses was watching the burning bush and delivering the Israelites, he was not thinking, I'm a shadow, I'm something concealed. I'm not the reality. He wasn't thinking that, but he was that. Y'all with me? And so Abraham was looking really 
for the son of the living God to come. And he had a glimpse of it, just like we know Jesus is coming back. Do we know? Do we know Jesus is going to return? Well, how do you know that? How, how do you know that? You read about it. You got a revelation. You have faith. Somebody said something, and it bore witness in your spirit, so you actually believe, and I believe it too, that Jesus is coming back for us. Well, listen, Abraham had a glimpse like we have a glimpse. Abraham had somewhat of an understanding of a Christ to come. Now, we can look back and see that he came, and we have a lot more word and just we have readings, we have testimonies, we have so much to bring our faith to a level that we can actually believe Jesus is coming back. But he had a glimpse of the Christ to come and that would be on a cross and make the sacrifice for all of you. He knew that. He had a vision of that. And that's why he was able to do what he was able to do. Because he already saw it. And he knew that the son coming would be the promised son. And he knew that his son was the promised son. And he knew if he slayed his only son, that was the promised child. And God had already spoken that your descendants will be like the stars you see in the sky. So he knew God could not lie. So he knew if he would slay his son, God would have to resurrect him like he saw the Son of God being resurrected. This is good stuff right here. And so I said that to say this. You are a shadow and a type of the Jesus that your family and your friends and your community will soon receive. They don't understand you. They don't understand your faith. They don't understand you, Jesus. They don't understand your ways, but you are a shadow and a type of the Jesus that is coming to them. You are the glimpse of the Christ they will receive. That's a good word right there. So everything you do counts. Everything you do. Listen. Everything those Old Testament preachers, patriarchs did, it counted for something. I'm still learning from them. I'm still getting the shadow into reality and what was conceived, concealed in the light. I'm still doing it. So everything you do, whether it's preaching the word, whether it's prophecy or laying hands on the sick or giving someone a cup of water, or just having concern and care and compassion for someone in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, you are concealed for this moment. You are type for now. But, and, and listen, there were people in my life, they were concealed. They were types of Jesus. I couldn't even see it. And they were testifying to me. They were praying for me. They were prophesying. I'm like, y'all are a bunch of weird people. I don't even want, I don't want to be around you. But something, something in that shadow. That's why the Bible says out of darkness a light shine. In that shadow 
of who they were, a light was shining. I saw them as natural. I saw them in the flesh. I saw them as people. But the words that they spoke was like a light and a fire, and it was trying to get a hold of me. And they, they all did it so well. Everything was like precise by the Spirit of God. Y'all got that. Y'all have to know you're just a shadow. You might be in the background of somebody's life, but you're doing it right. Don't forget that. Everything you do is counting. It's counting towards someone's deliverance, their salvation. I don't care where you are. And so that was just a little part of my message. This is not, but this is where the rubber hits the road. Are y'all ready for this? This is in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. I could quote this. You could probably quote it, but I want us to read it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You're in the shadow. <laughs> You're just concealed. God sees you. God's working with us. Even though our outward man is perishing. Look, it is. I just, we just went 20 years back. We're about to have this reunion. I'm telling you, I look good 20 years ago. <laughs> y'all all, some of y'all, yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. If these walls could talk, if this carpet, carpet could talk and talk about the tears that it received, the knees that knelt on it, the prayers that were cried out on. If this carpet could talk, the things that fell out of people's pockets, <laughs> crack pipes, Marlboro cigarettes, I mean, the things that have happened in and through this church is like amazing, so amazing. Don't lose heart. Tell your neighbor, don't lose heart. For our light affliction, I don't care what you're going through, it's a light affliction. <laughs> I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it may seem. The Bible says it's a light affliction. Now, of course, I can say that about your affliction, but when my affliction comes, it's like, it ain't like, no, this is mine. This thing big. <laughs> we get personal with our afflictions. Now, listen to this. For our light affliction, which is, you can't deny it, it is. It is. We're up against it. We're challenged by it, maybe in a struggle in your life, that affliction. It is. I said it is, but it will not always be. Because that affliction will leave, and then another one will come. <laughs> and so 
I preached a message here years ago. The Lord showed me this. I was talking about Paul going to Rome, and uh, he met the prophet Agabus, and Agabus took Paul's belt off, bound his hands to his ankles, and he said, this will happen to you in Rome. The Gentiles will do this to you. And I remember when I was preaching that message, I actually grabbed my ankles and I walked around for 15 minutes. I couldn't do that right now. I, it was supernatural. I walked around holding my ankles and preaching for 15 minutes. And the Lord told me to tell this church, so I'll remind you again, get comfortable in being uncomfortable. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all ain't got it yet. Get comfortable in being uncomfortable. Because when you're comfortable, you don't need my God. Let me ask you this question. What makes life good? Oh, of course, we're going to have the religious answer. God. <laughs> no, what makes your life good? I can tell when people get money. What is it? Money. That's one honest person here. I, I can tell when people get money. I can tell. They just light up. They want to come testify to me about what, what God did, because they got money. And so we, we need to answer that question honestly. What makes life good? Because if it's anything other than your fellowship with the Father via the Holy Spirit, the good will leave, and then your life won't be good. But... It, was that? True story. And so we need, we need to get to the place that life is good because God's good. Whether anything is happening or not, good, bad, and ugly, if God be for you, who's going to be against you? It, it, that, that's why we have to get. It, it can't be good because of comforts, and it is. It can't be good because of a promotion, and it is. But in the, in, in the heart of in our heart, life needs to be good because God is in our life, and we're in his life. So it says right here, and this is not my message, which is difficulties, challenges, afflictions. They are, but they're for a moment. We all believe in Seed, time, harvest. Well, seed, time, harvest. I'm going to sow a seed. I'm going to get a harvest. But we can't deal with time. <laughs> That's where things hit. Well, I'm doing my part. I'm sowing the seed. And who doesn't like harvest? Come on, somebody. But the time. I'm telling you, in these days, we better learn to fellowship with the Lord's patience. Don't, don't pray for patience. You know what happened? Pray for patience. You better pray for patience. You need, if you need what's going to make you complete, lacking nothing, you better get in it. You, you, be, be ready to be tested so you can practice your patience. Patience is like a lady. She goes before you. That is good. <laughs> <coughs> a 
Let patience go before you. Fellowship with patience. Ain't nobody want in the church want to fellowship with patience. Patience, just come on, just let's, let's put the harvest off for a while. I'm just fellowshipping with patience. You need to hold a lady. Of the, one translation calls her her. She's a lady. That's why I said that. Let her go before you. Let her be out in front. Patience is beautiful. Patience is something, you know, a man wants to marry. Getting quiet in here. See, we want what we want. We don't want what God wants us to have. God knows best. Say, God knows best. I'm stretching it out of here, but this is not my message. I'm not going to do my message. Is working. Now, listen to this. For us. Affliction is for a moment. It is. And it's working for us. I like people working for me. You ask Susan, I go on vacation, I'll have everybody working while I'm going. <laughs> Anybody ever got butched here? Y'all know what that's about. You going to come with me? I'm going to talk to you in a nice way. I'm going to have you start doing something, and I'm going to just drive off. And you just got butched. Well, you working for me. <laughs> and so these things we're going through, they're working for us. Another, another word, something is being supplied for us even though it, it feels and it has a sense of being harsh, it's working for us. And I'm going to say this, and this is not, I'm not saying it in a lack of faith. I'm saying it as a truth. I've learned more in pain and problems than the pleasures of prosperity. Now, I want it. I've been rich. I've been poor. I'd rather be rich. I'm all for it. I'm in it, but I've learned more in pain, and in problems, because that's the testing. Count it all joy when you go through the tribbing. Is that what you said? Anybody tribbing? Anybody tribbing here? That's what Pastor Ben, he said, anybody tribbing? Anybody tribbing? You're tribbing. <laughs> anybody tribbing? Come on, raise your hand. You're tribbing? You're going through something? It's like, oh, my God, I live in tribbing. I'm living and tripping. I'm tripping and trying to live. It just, ooh, ooh. Huh? It's working for us. Count it all joy. You have to know it. And then it says knowing. Knowing. That word is gnosko, experiential knowledge. Knowing this the testing, now who cares where the test come from? I, I didn't like to take tests. I didn't care if the principal gave it. I didn't care if the coach gave it. I didn't care if my mama, I just didn't like tests. So forget about if it's the devil, if it's God, if it's life, if it's your neighbor, your dog. You just count it all joy. <laughs> You're going through a test, a testing of your faith. Now's your time in the test to trust God. 
I mean, anybody can trust God right here. Anybody can trust God with your pockets full of money and everybody loving on you. But let a mishap, something go wrong. That's where our faith needs to rise up. Okay, I'm getting to the good part right here. Y'all ready for this? This is going to be a revelation. Now listen to this. It, it's working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. Now glory itself is a weight. But I don't think we understand. I think we understand weight. Y'all understand weight? Weight, that's what it means, weight. It means, it, it means a load. So we're all looking for the weight of glory. Now this is talking about heaven. We're out of here. We, we talked about it in my office. When will the affliction stop? When you get to heaven. <laughs> because we were talking about it. We, we in affliction, we come out of affliction, we go through affliction. It's always in, out, on, up. I mean, it's always something. And so that will not end until we just get raptured out of here. Now, of course, we hold our peace. And there remains a rest. There remains a rest. So rest should remain in you. In you. It should remain in you. The rest should remain in you all the time. But the affliction is hitting us all the time. Peace should remain in us also. But it says, far more exceedingly, an eternal weight of glory. A weight of glory. Weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. A weight of glory. So this is what I want to talk about. And the Lord was talking to me about this. Now we know that there's going to be something amazing in heaven but there's a weight of glory that comes to us here on earth. I've had people come in this church. There's a weight of glory on me as the pastor of this church. There's a weight of God's glory on me. As pastor of this church, I had people come in this church and say, man, I want this. I'm thinking, you don't want this. You think you want this, but you don't want this. Why? Because there's a weight of glory. It's a weight. I have peace. I have joy. I have rest. But it's a weight of responsibility. You understand, God's glory is what he does, and he's responsible for it all. And it's not hurting God. You understand? 
we living in this torn down, fallen world. But anything we do, there will always be a weight. That's my revelation right there. There's not a utopia. You understand? I mean, I get in places I don't even know I'm here. I get, I get in a place where nothing exists. I got in there this morning. Matter ceases. Time ceases. I'm just caught up. And those are times. And I mean, I, 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 I love it. But when you come out of that, God has spoken to you to do something, and he's calling you to do something. And as soon as you get that revelation and you start to do it, it's a responsibility on you. I'm going to tell you. You, you don't want to be the pastor of this church unless you called. You don't want to be a traveling minister. Well, I want to travel. God better call you to it because there's a weight to it. Is there a weight to it? You might not answer right, but you will. <laughs> Is there a weight to it? Well, I want to be married. I'm tired of being single. Well, there's a weight of God's glory in a good marriage. There's a weight on everything. It's either going to be a weight of affliction or a weight of the glory of God. Yeah, always. I want, I want to be a praise and worship leader. You got any weight? Is the glory there? Is it is a responsibility? Got to deal with all these attitudes, all of this giftings? Come, I mean, really. And she... And so everybody in the church is asking for things. You better do what God's calling you to. Because if you do something, people, somebody came up to me the other day and said, who makes you a pastor? I said, God. <laughs> who makes you a pastor? Why, why can't I be a pastor? Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're called. But there's a weight of glory on everything. I want to pilot a plane. I want to be a pilot. I want to fly. There's a weight of glory on that. I mean, you, you, man, if I drove planes, I'd forget to put gas in it, and it's over. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, at least when I don't put gas, I pull over to the shoulder. I just... <laughs> You, you can be a godly teenager doing it all right, and there's a weight of glory on that. You take abuse, you're talked about, you're mocked. There's always a weight following the glory of God. Just get used to it. Just get used to being uncomfortable. He's the God that comforts us. This don't build a church right here. But this will build strong people. The weight of glory. I want to I, I wanna do a home group. You know why people don't do it? They don't know the terminology, but they know it would be good. And they know God would be in it. But you know why they don't do it? Because there's a weight of glory. Huh? <laughs> Some people would rather just cheer you on.
people see these big ministries. I want to do that. No, you don't. Unless you call to. And when you call to it, there's a grace. There's a supply that comes from God that you can't manufacture that will gird you and strengthen you to do what God has called you to do. Or if you had it yourself, you would need God. And so it's, it's like the Lord allows this weight of glory. To, does this make sense? The, the Lord just allows. Listen, as a church, you've been taught. You've been trained. You've been equipped. And that's, people sense and feel that here. And it's very challenging. That's why many run. Because it's the weight of God's glory. I'm telling you, we decided to start a choir. Everybody wanted to sing. Everybody wanted to sing. So we like, okay, let's start a choir. So we decided to start the choir. We had like six to ten people that wanted to sing in the choir. And they begged us. They kept, you know, some live by faith, some live by hints. They kept hinting around. We need a choir. We need a choir. We need a choir. And uh, so we decided we're going to have a choir. So we told every person, we're going to have a choir. And they said, yeah. And they went home. And the weight of glory fell on them. They all left the church. They every, am I telling the truth? Um, I can almost say all of them left the church. When it came time to walk in the responsibility And what the Lord said do, they ran scared. I see that so often. I did it. (laughs) I started this church. I preached one message. And then I thought, I got to do this the rest of my life? (laughs) The weight of glory. You ever start a project for God? And I mean, you got the vision? And then you go tell everybody? You in trouble. You let the horse out the gate. And now it's like, what have I done? The weight of glory. Now it's all God. It's the glory of God. He told you. He's calling you. He's going to equip you. He's going to grace you. He's going to give you vision. He's going to give you what you need to go do it, but the weight of the glory. I think my son always wanted to fly in a helicopter. Anybody ever fly in a helicopter? They were not made to fly. I'm telling you right now. They were not made to fly. I don't know how it stays up there. I flew in one, and they kind of do like this. So you just got all window, and they bend over like this. You're going to fall out. So Joe was in. He's still in Florida now. And... uh he wanted to go up in the helicopter. So when he got in the helicopter and is fixing to take off, he called us and said, I prayed to send us prayer before I went up in that thing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Our children are always praying to send us prayer. Staying, staying convicted. But the weight of the glory of flying in the helicopter, all of a sudden it falls on you. This makes sense. 
And that's where we lose a lot of people. And you need to remember what God has called you to. He'll provide for it. He'll equip you for it. And he'll be in it with you. And so when the weight of God's glory, see, when the weight of God's glory come, it's like the fun leaves. Some of the excitement could leave. But that's when you tap into faith. That's when you use your faith. God has spoken. I'm thinking about Abraham. I mean, to have the opportunity to do what Father God was going to do with his son, I'm sure that dude's like, just like Mary. I mean, every 14, 15, 16-year-old virgin Jewish girl was hoping to be the one to carry the Messiah. And when the angel spoke, come on, man, then trouble starts. It don't look good. How does that work? And so it's the same thing with the father of faith, the friend of God. He's getting the opportunity to do what the father will do. And he's got courage, man. And he's gone. And you know what? He didn't blink an eye. He got off. He told those donkey holders, I'm coming back. Me and my son, donkey holder. Got any donkey holders here? <laughs> Some won't go up. Some are just going to hang out down here. And so they went up. And exactly what I said would happen, it happened. And the Lord showed me this. Now get this. Get this. Tell your neighbor, get this. While he's going up the mountain, not knowing in detail, and this is by faith. He's, he's living by faith. He's thinking by faith. The results will come by faith. But at the same time he's going up the mountain, Father God found a ram, and he cut that ram loose from the flock. And while Abraham's going up one side of the mountain, God's provision is coming up the other side of the mountain. And that hap that's happening in life all the time for us. You just can't see it. You can't see it. You can't see what God's doing on the other side of your mountain that you have to get on top of and you have to be obedient to get there. There is a place called there. I didn't mean to say there because that's part of my whole message. Leave it alone. So he gets up there, got the knife in his hand, Isaac, 20 years old, Abraham, 120. Isaac could have took him out anywhere on the mountain, punched him in the face and say, I ain't doing this. But they walked together. The Lord showed me in these last days what God wants to do. It's going to be the old and the young walking together. We're going to do this thing. It's going to be a, a generation with another generation with another generation. And we're going to walk think this thing out. And we're going to see the power of the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago in these final days. So listen, he goes up. He does the whole thing. He's got in his mind, chop it up, burn it. And so his son's laying there, and his son apparently has faith too. 
I'd rather be the daddy right now. <laughs> I know how some of you sons in the Lord feels when I, you know, I got my knife in my hand. I want to get you right. I want you where you need to be. I'm where I need to be, but I want you where you need to be. <laughs> knife goes up. His throat's right there. As the knife comes down, the Lord says, stop. He went all the way. Abraham went all the way. He did everything God told him to do. And now God's saying, stop. And he stops. You know, sometimes we'll do what God tells us to do. But to stop doing it, to move to another area and change comes, sometimes that's harder. So God says stop. Now listen to this. He had been completely obedient, performed his full duty. And as the knife comes down, the Lord says stop. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes. Some people never see this. You do what God tells you to do. The best you can. No matter how it looks or who says what, you just keep doing it. You do it and you perform your duty by faith, by the grace of God. And when you do it all, you can look up and you can see the answers. Some people are looking for answers before they will do. He, performed, he did everything right and he looked up and there was the answer. Start doing what God has called you to do. Once you do that, You'll get the answer for the next stop, next, next step. Y'all with me? Come on. Until you do what he's told you to do, you won't know what's next. And I'm telling you, that's what's so exciting about the kingdom of God is you finish one thing and it's like, what's next? Huh? That's exciting. You fulfill what God has told you to do and then you're like, okay. What's next? What's the next step in the future? What's the next adventure in God? That's how we should live. He got us there. We did that. And next, there's our direction. There's our cue. There's the next thing. Jehovah Jireh expresses himself and provides. And the Lord showed me this. He showed me this years ago. The Lord would not let Abraham kill his son. That the father would kill his son. That we could live. The father would not let Abraham kill his son, but let him live. But the father killed his son 
that we could live. His son carried the wood on his back. And the wood was laid on him. A type of the cross. The wood was laid on the back of Jesus. He didn't kill us. He killed his son that we could live. He didn't slay us. He slayed his own son that we could live. And listen to me. I, I believe this with all of my heart. Isaac could have took Abraham out on the way up that mountain, but he didn't resist. And believe me, my Jesus could have got off that cross. My Jesus could have got off that cross, but he stayed on for me. He stayed on that wood for me. And so what did, I mean, so what does he do and what did he ask of us? Sacrifice. Kill your flesh. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Die daily. Crucify yourself. God's not asking for much. He's just asking you to let go of your old life and take up his life. And Abraham was a rank heathen. He wasn't a Jew. He didn't have a Judeo-Christian foundation. <laughs> he came out of Ur of Cal. Chaldees, Chaldeans. That means, Ur means flame, Chaldeans mean destruction. He came out of the flames of destruction. His daddy was an idol worshiper. His daddy made idol uh, statues and stuff like that. So this little boy grew up watching his daddy make these little idol worshiping things watched his daddy sell these idols to people and watch people bow down to him and pray to him and they had ears but they couldn't hear and they had eyes but they couldn't see and they put, put little hearts on them, I'm sure, but they couldn't understand anything. And this boy grew up in that and God started talking to him and calling him out of what he was familiar with and everything he knew. That had to be hard. And he came out. And when he came out, he brought his daddy. He brought other people in his family. And then his daddy died. That's the type of the old man dying. The old man, the old man, literally, the old man had to die so Abraham could move on with the Lord. A type of our old life being dealt with, put aside that we could go on. And I don't know about you, but Abraham was pulled out of the same thing I was pulled out of, the flames of destruction. And I am forever grateful. That was the spark of his faith towards the God that created him. God pulled him out of the flames of destruction. Can you imagine once he got out of all of that darkness and all he could hear was God? My God, he had to be excited. He stayed a friend of God. He was known as the father of faithfulness. He walked the talk. 
and it was counted to him as righteousness. I can't wait to meet this God. What are you going to do with the life the Lord has given to you? Let's go beyond just a service. Let's go beyond what we have been doing. Let's go beyond our own limitations. It's time to take that next step. I don't know where it is, but God's going to bring you to a mountain of his blessings. God's going to bring you to a high place in your life. And I'm not going to sit here, and I'm not going to say it's all going to be comfortable. You better count the cost before you take the next step. Because there will be joy, there will be peace, there will be a rest, but the weight of glory will be on you. And you know what? He carried that cross for me. I'll carry whatever he wants me to carry. I'll carry the weight of glory. I'll do it if it's uncomfortable. I'm just going to do it. You don't have to like it. Who likes being martyred? Nobody likes that. Who likes being betrayed? Nobody likes that. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it unto the Lord. And so, man, I challenge you. I challenge you. Do like Abraham. Put all the religious practices behind. Put, put everything else, everything. Put Jesus in the center of your success, in the center of your career, in the center of your education, in the center of your family, in the center of your money, in the center of everything you do. Just put Jesus in the middle of it. I'm telling you, if you put Jesus in the middle of everything you got, you'll always get through. <laughs> People don't get through because Jesus ain't in the middle. I'm telling you, he's a cream in Oreo. The reason you don't get through is because he's not in the middle. When he says it, yeah. When it's done, yeah. But going through it, oh. Put Jesus in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of everything you're going through, good, bad, and ugly. Put Jesus in the middle of it. You'll be a better Christian. You'll perform the duty that God is calling you to. You will do it. I'm telling you, you will do it. Who am I talking to? Who is the Lord talking to? I hope you hearing something beyond this funny-looking, bald-headed man. I really do. I hope I ain't speaking to your head, but I'm speaking to your spirit. There are challenging times coming, and we will be fit for the cause. You must have a cause in your life, and your cause is to present Jesus alive wherever you go, no matter what the response may be. Who wants out of what you've been in? Who's willing to get in the tent of the Lord? You know, when you got a tent, you ain't got nothing permanent. Who's ready to be a nomad? We got plenty of people mad, but who's ready to be a nomad? No, I'm not going to be mad. You got to be ready to change. You got to be ready to move. You got to be like your father of faith. Okay, God, what's next? Don't get planted too many places. Don't get too many irons in the fire. You got to be willing to move. Pick up your tent, put your tent down. It's called change. Oh, my God, I said the word, Jesus, help us. Change. 
What if God would just pull the rug from under you? Everything that you're comfortable with. He's not that kind of God. He's, he's not a threatening or, you know, he doesn't persuade people like that. He asks. He speaks. He doesn't, he's not a, ta- I mean, I tell you, I get so mad at people. All they want to do is preach about Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job was on drugs right there. He was going through some hard stuff. God don't take. God's a giver. He was going through something. I said he was going through something. You ever point your finger at God and get mad at him? Well, that's what, where Job was. God's a giver. God's a giver. Anything you let go of, he just has something better for you to put your hands on. I'm preaching good today. Y'all lucky I didn't preach my message. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't. Come Wednesday and I'll preach my message. Who's ready for change? Drastic change. Abnormal change. Frightening change. Change of unexpected proportions. <laughs> I want to be married. You know when you get married, what happens? Change. I want a new job. You know what happens? Change. I want more money. You know what happens when you get it? Change. Sometimes people don't know what they want. You understand? We, we don't. Sometimes we just don't know what we want. So that's why I go to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what I want. I got a list of wants, but what do you want? How about that one right there? We were going to Mexico, bringing a whole crew of people. And I told the people on the crew, no hot water. They freaked out, totally went nuts. No hot water. They, they, could, they couldn't understand it. Well, it's 107. You don't need hot water. You want cold water. But people don't know what they want. Close your eyes, lift your hands up, and just empty yourself of everything. Just put yourself, put yourself in, a, in a place like a blank. There's nothing there. <laughs> God will use you becoming nothing that he can become everything for you. Come on. Just, be, just become naught. Just, you're not that in his eyes, but just in your flesh, in your wants, in your own, in our own selfish desires. Just come before the Lord for him, not for you. He's to be honored. That word, that word glory means honor, praise, respect, reverence. Come to the one that's responsible for everything. If you're in this service today and God has been speaking to you, I mean he is like speaking to you about some matters in your life, some things, some things need to be turned over and removed uh, you know you need to be in a different place, and you may be in a good place now, but there's a different place the Lord wants to bring you or have you. And then, so if the Lord is dealing with you and God spoke to you in this message, just stand up right now. I want to pray for you. 
because you need God's grace. But what he's called you to, he, he's going to help you. And if, you know, if you got it all figured out, don't stand up. We know you got it all figured out. <laughs> you don't need help. <laughs> so, Lord, I thank you for those here. They, they really, Lord, we use the word, they, they need to be stretched. They need to be stretched. They need to be stretched, Lord. And, Lord, we know you are gentle. You are, you are, you told us to let our gentleness be known, be made known to all men. So it's your gentleness that we have. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're going to give everyone that's standing up the next step. I thank you just as, as people stood up, Lord, it's almost like they, they said, I'm willing to sacrifice my life. Just like Isaac and, and uh, Abraham, they were willing to sacrifice their lives. So, Lord, I thank you that those that stood up by faith, you will lift their eyes up, their spiritual eyes, to see what the next step is or to see what the direction is or to see what the answer is or to see what the counsel is or to see what the word of the Lord is for this next step. And so, Lord, I thank you. I'm grateful for the men and women of God that are here this morning that are willing to go the next mile with you. Even though the first mile was difficult, they're willing to go another mile. They're willing to go further. They're willing to go uphill with you, Lord. They're going to press forward towards the goal uh, for the prize of the upward call. So I thank you, Lord. You honor their stance, their standing in you. You honor their faith. And, Lord, we will all see a difference. This has happened so many times in this church. This is how things begin. You're challenged, and then you stand up and say, I will. Abraham said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I, that needs to be the cry in your heart. Here I am. Here I am. It's a dying and decaying world that we're living in. Everybody's complaining. Everybody's uh, frustrated. Everybody's angry at everybody. But nobody's willing to stand for Jesus. And even maybe be a target. Come on. The afflictions will only be for a moment. This may be afflicting to some people to even stand up. But it will only be for a moment. I'm telling you, God will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. You will not be left without everything that, ha, ba. When you go through various trials, the Bible says your faith will be tested. But then after the testing will come, what you lack, you won't lack. What you will not complete in, you'll be completed in. And get this, in the trial, in the testing, in not knowing what to do. The Bible says, if, if, if you need wisdom, that's where wisdom comes. That's where you need wisdom is when you step out in the things of God. And he'll continue to speak to you. He'll continue to speak to you like he did Abraham. He called him out with his voice. And then he walked with him all the way to the mountain of his destiny. And the fulfillment and the purpose and the meaningful thing that he had him to do in life. And you are not a respecter of people, Lord. What you're calling people in this service, those standing right now, it's way bigger than them. It's beyond them. 
to some it's enormous. But God, I know by experience what you did for me, you'll do for them. In Jesus' name. Now there's an anointing. If you have to go, please go. Didn't mean to keep you too long. But there's an anointing up here. There's an anointing up here. There's a weight of glory up here. And uh, if you need help in any area of your life, there's some glory up here right now to enhance, improve, impact, and impart a piece of God in you to become responsible for his word over your life. So if you need special prayer in any area, come up here right now. We don't want you to be at a deficit in any realm of your life. We, we are looking forward to your growth. We are looking forward to seeing your obedience expressed before your brothers and sisters in this fellowship in particular. Come on, just come, come on, come, come. Everybody goes to the right side because the right hand of the Father is where all the power is. <laughs> uh, Brother Clayton, I just saw you standing up here. Uh, Brother Bill, I saw you standing up here. Brother Kevin, I saw you standing up here. I'm not sure what this is all about, but I saw y'all. It won't be a normal. It's not necessarily a prayer y'all going to pray. It's just something you have to impart. I don't know. It may be prophetic. It may may not be, but pick a person. Pick a person. Everybody's up here. Everybody that's up here is very special. And I'm, I'm glad God's dealing with you. It's negotiating time. He wants to reason with you to be responsible to what he's calling you to. So get ready. It's a solemn moment. It's a solemn moment. Just say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Can I have a witness come up here? Uh, Darren, you, you honest. Not that nobody else is. I just want you to stand right here. Kind of take an overview of everybody that's up here. They will expose themselves differently in the months to come. And we will see it. I know it. I know what's being imparted in this service at this altar right now. You're just my witness. Brennan, Macy, these guys that we will actually see a transformation, accelerated transformation, because you desire that. Amen? Amen. Come on. Get ready. Just tell God next. It's the future of hope. We welcome the Holy Spirit here for such a time as this. This is it right now. This is it for you. For you. For you. Guys, y'all better be ready because it ain't going to be nothing.